I am so thrilled, of course, to have Brother Rocky Maddox as our speaker for our revival. Brother Rocky, of course, was pastor here through the whole year of 1976, came in January and left about summer of 77. He and I have been colleagues in ministry after uh, he left here. I know that you were at Waldo for a while and then for about the last 35, 36 years, as the uh, Lord has built a wonderful ministry under his leadership at Rose Park Baptist Church in Bossier City. But he'll always be one of us. I would think all of us can agree we're glad to call him our own. I'm thrilled that he's here. I'm going to ask that he would come, preach God's word, and let us listen with open hearts. Brother Rocky, would you come? Thank you, Brother Eric. What a joy it is to be. He's got crayons up here. That, I've, never, I've never been in a pulpit that had crayons before. That's, yeah, amen. It is always exciting to come to Brister Baptist Church. I was here in April. Many of you were not here. That was a Friday night uh, for a Bible conference. Uh, on that night, I said that how much I appreciated Brother Eric and all he's done at Brister Baptist Church for all these years. Seems like a hundred years to some of you probably, but uh, that's because it's been a bunch, and he's done a great job. Tell you what he has done. He has preserved uh, memories that Mary and I have. My wife Mary is here, and uh, we're, uh, we're delighted to look back. In 1976, I was 19 years old. Mary and I got married. I was 19, she was 17. That uh, next year we came to Brister, and uh, it was wonderful. Uh, the biggest mistake that I can find in my ministry, as I look back over the years, I'm 63 now, and so it's been a long time, uh, but uh, I left Brister too soon. And I was talked into that by some preachers like Rufus Crawford, who said, you have to go to Central Baptist College. There's no question about it. You're young, go, take off, head off up there. And uh, I wish that I had not. I believe if I had stayed here, I could have learned more and done better, Brother Eric. But uh, that's God's business. He's taken care of me, and he's taken care of our family, and he has blessed your church. You've had other pastors besides uh, Brother Eric in all these years, uh, but he's been the best. He came and stayed and built stuff and still building, and God has blessed you, and I'm glad he's my friend. Uh, now he made a mistake. I do not pastor in Bossier City. I pastor in Shreveport. And so... Uh, if you're ever in Shreveport, I want you to look us up, unless you're down there gambling and you get thrown in jail. Uh, then just don't even call it, you know. I have enough trouble with my own members. I don't need to have to deal with, with everybody else. But I do want you to know that uh, this is a great week. Miss Nancy, it is good to be here on this day. And uh, I thank the Lord uh, for your faithful service. You are certainly... Uh, blessing people like uh, Nancy Waller who, uh, who volunteer and say, I'll do it, and they're faithful to it. That's what makes churches work. And we thank God for, for her, and I'm glad to be here on this special day uh, for you. I do like revival. Hey, one thing I have noticed, <laughs> y'all are getting old, man alive. <laughs> I, I saw Troy Waller earlier, and I didn't, know, I didn't know who I was looking at, to be honest with you. Uh, but, uh, but there's some of us that we're just in the same boat he's in. We're just getting, getting old. Here's what I do want to do. I want to have a good week. 
I, I love revival. There's nothing more uh, that I'd rather do. I was in a revival last week, last Sunday night. I filled in for Tim Lee. Dr. Tim Lee had a stroke in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was supposed to be at Mount Pleasant uh, Baptist, uh, South Jefferson Baptist Church, Mount Pleasant, Texas, last week. And they called me and asked me if, I'd, if I could come fill in. Uh, I told the pastor, it's a shame to be second choice, you know. In fact, I announced last week in his church, I said, uh, I said well, I know what it means to be second choice now. And now I know what his wife feels like. And well, you can imagine the crowd. They didn't know if that was true or not. I was one of the few there who knew that is true. And so as a result, uh, you know, we had a big revival. Though. We had people saved every service, every single service. We had people saved in the altar. And I thank God for that. I love revival. Nothing I would rather do than preach revival. I, uh, I've been in over 600 revival meetings, and that started a long time ago. And it's been a blessing. Here's something I know about revival. I know that revival doesn't just happen. Revival is a work of God. But I also know that revival does not have uh, some formula. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not possible to just add it up, one plus one equals revival. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, the Old Testament prophet said, salvation is of the Lord. Revival is of the Lord as well. And as a result, uh, you and I need to make sure that we are seeking God spiritually seeking God in our heart, that we'll pray like the prophet said and ask God to rend the heavens. God can do that. God can do something that uh, you and I cannot explain, and that's revival. God does something in a person's heart. Somebody said, you know, preacher, I've got some lost friends, and it doesn't seem like anybody can reach them. Uh, listen, friend, uh, you need to get those people to the Lord. And one way to do it is, in, is to invite them to revival. Carry them out to supper. Carry them out to supper early. Buy them a good steak or something and bring them to revival. And if you don't cook, the pastor's wife will be glad to cook supper for them. You just let her know, all right? Well, the truth is, wouldn't it be worth carrying somebody out to a meal to bring them to the house of God and for them to be saved? And it would. Whatever you have to do, get lost people in the building. It doesn't matter who's preaching or singing. doesn't matter who's sitting in the pews. If you don't have lost people there, you're not going to see people saved. So that's your job. It's been so long since I've been in this area. I, the, the people I know here are, are saved people or bootleggers, I, you know. So I don't know, if, I don't know if I can get anybody here. But you can if you'll get out there. Just make a phone call. People will come. Uh, advertising is okay. It doesn't mean a whole lot. What really matters is you calling your friends and getting them to church. If you'll do that night after night, beginning tonight, every service I'll be preaching an evangelistic sermon. Every sermon will have an invitation. Every sermon we're going to ask people to come to know Jesus Christ. So I want you to come and pray and ask the Lord to bless everything that we do. I'm not preaching long this morning because you're eating lunch and I've been preaching long enough to know that crowds that have a meal in the fellowship hall, they're not even looking at me, hardly listening at all. So if you'll listen fast, let's stand to our feet. Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter 10 in your Bible. I'm going to begin reading there in verse number 1. The Bible says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. 
For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Father, Lord, I pray you would bless your word. Thank you for the privilege that is ours to be here, to be in church. God, to be with the church that is planned, an old-fashioned revival meeting. God, I pray that you would bless everything that we do this week. God, we pray for people to be saved, and we pray for the church to be revived. God, I pray personally that you'll do a work in my heart. I pray for my friends who are here that they indeed will pray individually, asking you to do a work in their heart. And we pray that you'll use us together uh, to throw out a net to reach lost people and pull them, draw them to Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Friend, I'm preaching this morning on this simple subject, the message America needs to hear. The message America uh, needs to hear. Uh, you and I have known each other long enough that let's go back 43 years uh, plus ago. Uh, our oldest son was born here. He'll be 43 in a couple of months. And so 43 years ago, I remember what America was like. Now there are people in this room that are much older than I am, and you'd say, hey, let's go back 60 years or 70 years. Well, however far you want to go back, it doesn't matter. If you go back a few decades, you and I would have to admit that things have drastically changed. America is not the America that it used to be. There's very little bit about America uh, that is similar. Uh, the, uh, the way that uh, we live is different. Uh, the things that we say uh, are different. Uh, what we put up with uh, as far as uh, uh, morality and decency uh, is far far uh, different. If you want to, to know the truth about it, America is in a terrible situation. Now we can say that. We turn on the news and we watch Washington, D.C. If I ever go crazy, I want to move to Washington, D.C. so no one will notice. Uh, the fact of the matter is we watch Washington, D.C. and we admit that uh, it doesn't matter Republicans or Democrats. It doesn't matter. Uh, things are in a mess. And they are. It is terrible. Where are the statesmen? Where are the patriots? Where are the people that stand up uh, for America? Well, that's one side of America. But then again, we walk the main street or your neighborhood or mine, and uh, we look around and we find how people are living. We find how they're acting. We find, uh, uh, we find the decency of America has gone down. The morality of America has gone down. We find that the way that America thinks is not the way that America used to think. And so as a result, you and I would say something like this. Well, I wish I could do something to change that. Every preacher worth his salt would say, if I could preach to America, here's the message that I would preach. Well, I've had that thought in my mind before. Here's the message. Three simple points. The message America needs to hear. Listen carefully. If we begin in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, is that they might be saved. Friend, I want you to understand that I believe, first of all, America needs to know how much we care. You and I can complain about the politicians. You and I can complain about the morality and the decency and the spirituality of our communities and of America in general. But the fact is, the message America needs to hear is that America needs to know how much you really, really care. 
The problem in America is not the political uh, situation. The problem in America uh, would be the pews and the pulpit. The problem in America is if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Friend, the Bible teaches us that America, like every nation, like this nation, Paul was talking about Israel, America needs to know that there are people of God that actually care about them and to be quite blunt that there are people of God that actually care the problems in America is not just out there friend the problem the church in America we used to talk about the world done this the world's changed and so on hey look way back when when I first started preaching the church was uh, or the world was right here and the church was right here and then uh, the world uh, was right here and the church was right here. And then the world was right here. And the church was right here. And then the world was right here. And the church was right here. Now the problem with that is, look how far the church has moved. Friend, we may have kept arm's distance from the world, but we're a lot further away from where we used to be spiritually, evangelistically, theologically, morally. Uh, I mean, everything I see in the world, I see in the church. The sins of the world... They don't slither under the door anymore. They walk through and teach Sunday school, sing in the choir, serve on the deacon fellowship. I want you to know the world is in the church and it's tragic. What are we going to do? Here's what he said. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is. Paul's burden was expressed in verse number one. He said, it's my heart's desire. If you and I believe the Apostle Paul to be one of the greatest Christians of the New Testament, and we, we would have to agree with that, then we have to look at this and say, look, Paul's heart's desire. I mean, the thing that really uh, burdened him, the thing that really challenged him. He said his burden was is that Israel might be saved. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I wonder if in this room there are parents that you're burdening your heart's desire so that your child would get out of high school or go to college or make a good living or, or get out of the house. They moved back after they had kids and moved back in with you. Uh, but you see, Paul's heart's desire wasn't about those things. Going to school is important. Uh, raising a family is important. Having all those things are important. But Paul's heart's desire was if they might be saved. Paul's heart's desire was that they'd go to heaven when they die. Friend, the Bible says that we see Paul's burden explained in verse 2. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Paul said Israel is religious, but they're lost. Paul said Israel uh, goes to church, but they're not saved. They're ignorant of God's righteousness in verse 3. And they've gone about to establish their own righteousness. Paul said uh, that they are are religious and they're moral and they're decent but Paul said they are not saved friend I want you to know America needs to know how much we care there wasn't anyone who knew Paul there wasn't a, a Jew that knew Paul that did not know that Paul loved him loved them wanted them saved he said in verse number four for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So here we see it. America needs to know how much we care. 
Paul's uh, burden now is exposed. He said, look, here's the, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Paul said the very same thing. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. The Bible tells us Paul is bold. He's saying to those Jews, he's saying, you need the Messiah, and the Messiah has come, and you didn't know that. John said, he came into his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Friend, here the Bible tells us that Paul is saying uh, that Israel needs to know how much we care. America needs to know. The people in your community, the people you work with, the people in your family, the people that you're associated with, they need to know more than anything. They don't need to know how awful abortion is, although it is awful. They don't need to know how wrong homosexuality is and, uh, and uh, gay marriage and all the rest. It is wrong, but they don't need to know that as much as they need to know that you love them and you care about them. I have a lesbian woman that attends my church almost every Sunday. She sits there and listens to me. Now, preacher... Don't you make it so hard? Don't you make it so rough that she runs out the back door? I don't want anybody to run out the back door. Friend, if, if you're making people mad enough to run them out the back door, you'll never get them into heaven. You and I need to be sweet and kind. You say, well, you've changed. I really have, to be honest with you. <laughs> Listen, friend, I want you to know that the Bible teaches us uh, that we need to draw people, we need to persuade people, we need to do our best to throw out the lifeline. And just like you fishermen, we need to, we need to put the bait out in front of them and, and have the right kind of retrieve so that, so that they'll turn to Christ and there will be a reason for them to turn to Christ. Well, you're going to be soft on sin. You go to Rose Park Baptist Church where I pastor, you'll find out that there's not one person there that'll tell you I'm soft on sin. I preached the other day a message to them about how the Bible tells us to deliver people to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's still in the Bible. We can pray for them. We can help them. We can do everything. But there comes a time when the people of God deliver people to the, uh, the devil for the destruction of the flesh. Friend, the Bible teaches us that America needs to know how much we care. But then... The message America needs to hear, verse number 9, America needs to hear the plan of salvation. How long has it been since we've heard someone say the plan of salvation? Now, you may hear it regular here at Brister with Brother Eric, but I promise you there are churches all over America where the preacher never says anything about the plan of salvation. When I was a boy, my mother got saved I was about 12 years of age, maybe 10 or 11, right in there. And uh, my mom got saved. I was with her. I went to church that day. And the uh, first time I'd ever been to church, to my knowledge, the first time she had ever been to church, and she was saved. And, uh, and it changed our home. Uh, she led my, uh, my grandmother to the Lord. She led her brother to the Lord, her sister to the Lord. Uh, she, of course, eventually my dad got saved one Sunday morning. Uh, as a result, uh, it, it, changed, it changed everything. And way back then, we talked a lot about the plan of salvation. And we talked about the Roman road. The plan of salvation and the Roman road. 
Now then, these days, you pick up books in the bookstore, you don't read about the plan of salvation, you hardly hear the Roman road uh, mentioned, uh, and we have all kinds of uh, seminars to attend, all kinds of new ideas, all kinds of stuff, and yet, friend, we are baptizing less people among Baptist people, we are baptizing less people than we've ever baptized before. What's wrong? Well, it's simple. We stopped having revivals, some churches have, hardly Hardly ever do I read in the newspaper in Shreveport of a church having a revival. We stopped having vacation Bible schools. We stopped, some churches have stopped giving invitations. May I tell you that a sermon without an invitation is a talk. A sermon without an invitation is a talk. You need to be called to commitment. Every sermon demands an invitation. Never forget that. In your Bible, here's the, here's the Apostle Paul. He said to us, he said, let me tell you something about the plan of salvation. He begins in verse number 9. America needs to hear this simple truth. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Number one, the message of salvation. You need to hear about the incarnation of Christ. You need to hear about the resurrection of Christ. You need to understand that Jesus loves you and the Bible tells you so and you need to run to Jesus. Why? Because of the simple message of salvation. But then there's the means of salvation and you see that when he tells us simply, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed or shall not be disappointed. Listen, America needs to hear how much you care. But secondly, America needs to hear the plan of salvation, the message of, the, of salvation, the means of salvation. How does it happen? You're going to believe with your heart, with your will. You're going to reach down into the very depth of your soul and you're going to reach out to God knowing that God in heaven is holding on to a nail-pierced hand that belongs to Jesus and another nail-pierced hand is reaching down to you. And if you'll take hold of the nail-pierced hand of Jesus, he'll form a bridge between you and God the Father. Friend, the Bible tells us that you can be saved. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, you must be saved. It's my dear friend, uh, Dr. A, or Brother A.D. Livingston, that uh, used to preach, and he would say, uh, John 3, 7, you must be born again. M-U-S, must be born again. That was Brother A.D. But I'll tell you, nobody ever preached it any plainer than A.D. Livingston. And friend, the scripture is right. You must be born again. So we read about the message of salvation, the means of salvation. Verse 13 is the miracle of salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Put your name there. We used to sing the song. Maybe you still sing it. Whosoever surely means me. Whosoever, I looked it up the other day, you know, the, you Google everything. Nobody studies anymore, we Google. Nobody knows about the Dewey Decimal System. You don't go to the library, you Google. Just Google. Some preachers Google, and they just have a Google sermon. That's all they have. But I do want you to know that it's, it's possible uh, to, to Google and, and find out uh, that uh, whosoever... Whosoever surely means me. I looked up my name, Google, Rocky Maddox. Some football player in Tennessee, 
black as tar. Rocky Maddox. Some other guy out in California, sissy looking guy. You don't have to be a sissy in California, it just helps. Rocky Maddox. My own son. I named him Rocky on purpose. My name really is Billy John Maddox. You could scream Billy at me all day. I'm not even going to turn around. Never been called Billy one day in my life. I was named Rocky the day I was born. And, uh, and yet, for some reason, back then, uh, my parents felt like you had to have a better name than that. And so they put Billy John Maddox after my dad and my uncle. And there, there it is, Rocky. So when Rocky was born here years ago, uh, we named him Rocky and uh, named him Rocky Paul, called him Rocky Paul forever. Now he says, don't call me that, just call me Rocky. And so that's what I do when I'm not calling him idiot or moron or something <laughs> like that. I call him Rocky. There are lots of Rocky Maddoxes in the world. Aren't you glad that your name is not in the Bible? Because if it were in the Bible, you'd be saying, that's me. But somebody else would be saying, no, that's me. The Bible said whosoever, it means exactly that. It doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're famous or not famous. It doesn't matter if you have money or you don't have money. It doesn't matter if you live in Arkansas, you live in Louisiana. It doesn't matter. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Number one, America needs to know that we care. Number two, America needs to hear the plan of salvation. Number three, and last of all, America needs to feel the urgency of faith. America needs to feel, listen, you can tell your neighbor all day long, Jesus loves you. You can get up and go to church every Sunday morning and hand them a gospel track. That's all fine. But America needs to feel the urgency of faith. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now that's not just a pastor, that's you, that's me, that's someone sharing the gospel, that's a witness, that's an evangelist. Here we are, we're knocking doors, we're talking to our friends, we're talking to our neighbors. And the Bible says that how shall they hear uh, without a preacher? We see the call that the preacher has somewhere in your heart there's a burden. i got to talk to him, i got to see him today, I've got to go see her, I can't wait. What if she were to die? I've been a Christian long enough that I've had people that I should have talked to and didn't, and they did die. It's miserable. He's in the hospital, Pastor. Would you go by and see him? He's not saved. I sure will. On the way home, I said, I'll do that tomorrow. But that early that morning, he died. I should have gone. Why didn't you go? Why didn't we go? Why didn't you see there has to be an urgency of faith? We see in verse 16 the concern, not just the call. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have, have they not heard? Yes, verily, they, they, their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the earth. Did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are not a people. Friend, the Bible says that now we have a, a little historical account where, where Paul is saying, listen, Israel, Israel needs to hear. Israel needs to know. And it's an urgent message. It's not something that we just talk about. It's something that we plead. 
and we beg. We want someone to come to faith. Well, you come down to the last verses, look at it. Verse 20, but Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he said, all day long. Now look at it. All day long. I tell you what, friend, I've talked to that guy all day. All day long. I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Here's what the Lord said. All day long. Israel, I've stretched out my hand to people who are disobedient, people who refuse to be persuaded, people who are not giving their life to Christ all day long. Some of us have worried more about leaky faucets than we have lost sinners. Some of us have worried more about a car that doesn't just sound right than we have lost sinners. Some of us have worried more about little distractions in life than we have about a man who has a human soul that if he died, he'd go to hell. What a tragedy. The message America needs to hear, it's not the message some of us might think. Boy, preach to those liberals. Tell those liberals. Heard about a guy that in the church he pastored, they brought it to a vote and wanted Rush Limbaugh to come for revival. See, that's our mentality. Some of us have confused being conservative with being Christian. The gospel in America is not a conservative gospel, friend. The gospel America needs to hear is the Christian gospel. Not just America, but the world. But let's start here. You and I need to tell them how much we care. You and I need to share with them the plan of salvation. You and I need that they would feel the urgency of our faith. I was in a revival meeting years ago. The pastor told me, he said, we have a man who comes every revival. His daughter brings him. His daughter was grown, probably in her 30s, maybe older. His daughter brings him. He's going to be sitting on such and such pew. He'll be here every night. So every night, I preached, gave an invitation, looked back, saw all the people. But I looked at him. He didn't seem phased. He didn't seem bothered. He did not seem concerned. Thursday night, the meeting went through Friday. Thursday night of that week, I preached a message, gave the invitation, looked back there. And then I saw his daughter. She was over here playing the piano. She got up. She walked. Silence. Some people tried to carry on the song, didn't do a very good job of it, so it became silent. She walked right back to her dad, looked him right in the eyes. I don't know what she said, but I know tears were streaming down her face. And I watched as that old man just crumbled, crumbled. And in a moment, she walked down the aisle and went to the pastor, and he was saved. Now listen, America, your friends, my friends, America needs to feel the urgency of our faith. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray for this invitation. God, I pray you'd bless the simple little message. Make it into something that would touch our heart. 
God, that you would stir us in such a way that we would know that our burden is for our friends to be saved. God, if there are people in this room that are not saved, and very likely of a crowd this size, there are people that are not saved. Some of them are members of Brister Baptist Church, but they're members, but they're not saved. God, some are guests. Lord, I pray that right now in this place, that they'll understand that we love them, but more importantly, they'll know that Jesus loves them and he died for them on the cross. And that today, God, on this Sunday, they'd walk down an old-fashioned aisle, put their hand into the preacher's hand and say, I want to know Jesus. And today they would be saved. Lord, I pray for the church and I pray for the lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, Number 124. as we sing, you come. The preachers are right here. Hurry. <laughs>